This is the Edumatch Podcast Network, bringing you amazing educators sharing their love of learning one show at a time. The Edumatch Podcast Network is proud to support this show and many others. Find out more at edumatchpn.com. The ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of the individual podcaster. This is TLC Ninja, a podcast for teachers by teachers about classroom innovation. And welcome to episode 93 of TLC Tech Learn Coffee. And we are a proud member of the EduMatch Podcast Network. I am your host, Lisa Nowakowski, and I'm a fifth grade teacher in South Monterey County here in California. And I'm Nancy Minicozzi, an instructional technology coach in Beverly Hills, California. Just a reminder, we have a 15-minute format because ain't nobody got time for more than that. No, they don't. And so today, it's not so much a coffee fact, it's just an interesting coffee. So there is a coffee in Finland called Kaffeost. Uh, I probably butchered that and I apologize to anybody who speaks Finnish. Um, but it roughly translates to coffee cheese. Um, and it originated in a town that was east, in, east of Finland. And it consists of what's known as squeaky cheese. And you cut it into chunks and you pour espresso over it and then you eat the cheese with, with a spoon. Um, and lots of people love it. And they say it's like a tiramisu-like dessert. They also suggest possibly even trying it with a few uh, sweet biscuits on the side. So tonight, our guest is Tara Linney, yay, uh, who will be talking to us about gender e uh, equality in coding or gender equity in coding. So Tara, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, things like that. Hi, so um, my name is Tara Linney, and I am the author of Code Equity, Keying Girls into Coding. Um, I have been in education for the last 10 years. I've been abroad for the last four. I'm currently based in Seattle, Washington. Um, yeah, I've uh, done a lot of things with, um, I've been a mentor for Technovation Challenge. And um, yeah, I'm excited to talk with you all. Well, we're excited to talk to you too. And I, you know, we've all, uh, Nancy and I have both had interactions with you um, through Q and other events like that. So we're really excited to, uh, to hear uh, more about what you're doing and what your passion is, because I know this goes a little bit back for you as well. So um, what issue, uh, what is the issue you see with gender equity and coding? Well, what I see with the main issue with gender equity and coding is when we look at the coding professions um, right now in computer science and technology fields, there is a really large proportionate of um, proportion population of men who hold those jobs, those tech-driven jobs, and there's not a lot of women. And when you look back at history, that hasn't always been the issue. Um, so a lot of it can be traced to the media aspect of like, you know, what are the messages coming across through media to boys and girls of different ages, but then some of it can also be traced to education. Uh, so when it comes to gender equity and coding, I think that in order to address the professional issues that are happening in today's world, we must first start to change how we do education to ensure that um, girls and boys have equitable opportunities to learn how to code. I love that, just giving them um, you know, equal opportunity for everybody. So 
Um, thank you. And why aren't more girls and women involved in coding, do you think? I mean, besides what you've already touched on. Well, and I think a lot of the reasons as to why girls and women aren't so involved in decoding is part of it is this perfect um, complex of like what happens if I get something wrong and oh no, it's not perfect. So I must not be good at it. Um, another part is role models. So are girls and women seeing themselves in these future roles? And if they don't see themselves and if they're not comfortable with iterating and trying again and not being perfect at something, then like most of us, we're not going to pursue those things. Um, so I think those two big pieces, the one being in the examples and the other being the perfection complex are um, reasons as to why we're not seeing a lot of girls and women in coding. That's starting to change, but there's a lot more work that should be done. That's interesting that um, before the show, uh, before we started taping, um, we were talking about like the perfectionist complex and how uh, really each one of us have, have, you know, had that or going through that at some point. So it, it's interesting that you feel that that is also contributing to, um, you know, why, what's holding some women back and uh, girls. Um, what do you see is the solution to this issue? I'm super excited to hear this. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, since we're focused on teaching and learning and education, um, in education, a lot of it is teachers, regardless of their gender, should be comfortable with making mistakes in front of their students, especially when it comes to tech things. Um, so if the smart board isn't working or if this particular app isn't working, are we like throwing the device across the room? Are we giving up? Are we quitting? Are we saying, oh, we're going to switch and do something totally different and then never going back to the problem um, that we had with this tech device or this tech system? If we're doing that, then what we're modeling to students is when things get hard, just sweep them to the side and then they'll be hard over there and then you can go do something easy. Um, whereas if instead we use some strategies of breathing, <laughs> <laughs> um, for starters, and then asking the room, so maybe the students know what the solution is. Um, maybe, you know, we need to take a few minutes of a timeout and then go back to the problem and show students what it looks like to iterate um, without always calling for help. So by being the educator in the room that shows the students how to do this through modeling, um, then it helps the students to become more comfortable with solving problems, with getting into frustrating situations and figuring a way out. That's a great solution. I, I know when I first began my teaching career way, way back in the day, um, you know, I, I was the, the, you know, the, the sage on the stage. I was the person who was supposed to know everything. And I remember going through my training and that was one thing that was iterated to me over and over again was let the students know you don't know everything. So I think that was, you know, and that was starting, it was, that was like the mid nineties. And so that was kind of like a turning point of like, Oh, okay. And that was really scary because I was still going through my perfectionist complex that we, you know, that you had just talked about. Um, yeah. So now I know when I'm in my classroom and something happens, I tell the kids to figure it out. And they've recently discovered, one of my students recently discovered how to do something, which I thought was pretty cool on the computer. I won't go into it now. And I would say, wait, how did you do that? And, you know, just kind of inviting 
him to show me like, okay, what keys did you press? Like, that's really cool. I really like that, you know? And so I think inviting the students in is really, really powerful. So thank you for, for that as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how can teachers work to solve this problem in their classrooms? I know you said, you know, like opening it up, but, you know, we're also talking about, you know, like coding and like what other opportunities and things um, can we do to help solve the problem in my, in my classroom, for example? I think one way for sure would be to be more purposeful. Um, so what I mean by that is that when you're integrating coding, is there a purpose behind what is, what the students are creating and why they're creating it. Um, with girls especially, it's not always about playing games. Like yes, sometimes it's about building this fun game, but other times it'll be about like, what problem am I solving? Or how am I helping someone or teaching someone something? Um, so when it comes to integrating coding into what's happening in the classroom, ensuring that there is a clear purpose that is more than just I'm coding because I'm coding. Um, and then when you're having students work together, instead of drawing popsicle sticks and saying, okay, I've randomly paired you up, or instead of saying, okay, you can choose who your partners are, then be systematic about the way in which you give girls and boys the opportunities to work together. Um, because what happens is if all throughout a student's schooling, they're only being paired up with the same types of people, when they get into their professional fields, they're only going to be looking for the same types of people that they've had experiences with. Um, so I think giving those equitable experiences to our students so that they've got the sense of diversity and equity um, and ensuring that the coding that's integrated is purposeful are some really key ways that educators can really change up this whole code equity game. I love that you bring up um, coding being purposeful um, because I think so many times, and I've caught myself doing this too with like hour of code, we're going to do an hour of code this week and it's not really purposeful, um, you know, and so I've started to kind of shift my thinking on that, like how can I do that? I'm not, I don't have the answer yet, um, but thank you for that. And also that kind of goes along with, you know, in the ed tech community, you hear a lot of the times don't do tech just for tech's sake, you know, mm -hmm. make it purposeful. You know, if it doesn't enhance your lesson, then don't integrate the tech and that's okay. So, you know, I've talked a little bit, you know, I mentioned like hour of code and but there are a lot of teachers who really aren't comfortable with coding and bringing that into their lessons. And it's really scary and intimidating. And I know for me, it can be, I'm not sure where to start on all of those things. So how can teachers who aren't comfortable coding kind of start bringing those into their lessons? Well, I think the first thing, um, and you bring up Hour of Code, which is really great. So I've, at all the schools that I've worked at, we've been doing the Hour of Code for the, like ever since its creation, um, just over five years ago. And what's really cool with the hourofcode.com site is that you can break it up by device type, by age level, by subject area. Um, so there's math activities and there's reading activities. Like, and so first, know that you don't have to know everything. Um, second is to give yourself some time to try out different things. Uh, so time might be an hour like once a week or it could be like 20 minutes every day um, just to test things out so that you can encounter 
the same situations or problems that students might so that you're then more comfortable in guiding them through figuring out their solutions um, because you don't have to know everything. And then with integrating into your subjects, um, I wrote a blog post a while ago uh, for Edutopia on coding in the Common Core. So if you use Common Core standards or their equivalent, um, there's a lot of ways in which coding integrates in with that. Um, and I've written the book Code Equity, Keying Girls into Coding, and in part, well, in section four at the back of the book, there's all these um, curricular integrations that link up with standards. So there are different ways um, and resources out there for linking in with content instead of just taking something out completely. Excellent. And we do have a link to that uh, blog post that you mentioned, and we'll be posting that on the show notes. Um, and if I don't see that we have the link for your book, but if you have that, we'll, we'll throw that in there too. Um, <laughs> And finally, we are almost done, which is great. Oh, we do have code, uh, I see it now, codeequitybook.com. Excellent. So those will both be on our show notes for everybody to check out and, and get some more information on. So are there any other recommendations that you have uh, for our listeners? Just put very simply, just be brave. You know, when you're learning something, remember that being part of being a teacher is being a learner. And our students can teach us things and they can also learn from us and we should be the same towards our students. So we can teach them things, but we can also learn from them. Um, so it's really, I guess my only piece of, of, of advice is be comfortable being a learner and be comfortable with the iteration process. And that it's not about being perfect, it's about learning. That's great advice. And so many of our um, guests have iterated the same thing and, and, you know, just said, just try it, be brave. Mm -hmm. So that is, yes. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment to let us know. Um, our comment question tonight is, where have you seen equity issues in your school? Have you been able to address them? And please join us on February 5th when our guest will be Ashley Ingle, and she'll be talking to us about how to foster positive student relationships. Yes, indeed. And please don't forget to subscribe to hear more about easy ways for you to innovate in your classroom. If you like the show, and of course you do, please help other people find us by rating and leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. We're always looking for guests to share the great things they're doing in their classrooms. So if you know someone who fits the bill, or if you'd like to be a guest, please visit tlc.ninja and complete the contact form to let us know. Thanks.